0: This the Spurs Cast, episode 527. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining me in studio will be Project Spurs' Colin Reed. How are you doing, Colin? Doing
1: pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing.
0: I'm doing very well. Um, and on, on Twitter, uh, Spurs Cast listeners, you can follow him at Colin Reed. P.S. Um I'm doing good, I'm doing good, Colin. you know the Spurs are winning, even though coach Pop said they shouldn't have won their last game because of how they played. It was almost an embarrassment to to basketball. Um but uh, you know we're going to talk about in this episode, Spurs cast listeners, Colin and I are going to get into the all star discussion because it is coming up on Thursday, probably the day that this episode goes up. And then also um, We'll be, we'll be visiting the trade deadline because that's approaching by, by this time next week, a week from now. Uh, the trade deadline will have um, c- gone and, you know, c- come at that time. So let's go ahead and begin, Colin, by recapping the last uh, four Spurs games since I last recorded with Michael DeLeon a week ago. Uh, the Spurs found themselves a week ago um, on Wednesday last week in Philly. Um they lost by two points, 122-120. There was no Jimmy Butler for Philly. Uh, the Spurs were without davis Bertans, dealing with the personal situation. Uh, this was a game where the Spurs kind of, you know, uh, you know, they really slipped, let it slip away right at the end. It could have been a really good win for them. They led by eight with 248 left, and the Sixers went on to win the game with a 10-0 run to end the game. So the Spurs just went cold right there at the end. Couldn't get any stops. Uh, Then, Colin, on Saturday, the Spurs went to New Orleans, and they beat the Pelicans 126-114. There was no DeMar DeRozan in that game. Uh, There was also no Anthony Davis, no Nikola Miritich, or Julius Randle for the Pelicans. The Spurs led by 21 at one point. You know, they got a pretty comfortable win there. Uh, The Pelicans did, you know, compete and play pretty hard. Uh, then Colin on Sunday in the second out of a back-to-back, the Spurs hosted the Washington Wizards. Um, they won that game 132-119. Again, no DeRozan who's sitting out with left knee soreness, but it's more so coded as rest according to Coach Pop. Um, the Spurs led by 21 late in that game. So again, Wizards competed, but the Spurs pulled away. Then the one that I just brought up at the beginning that, you know, made us laugh here was, uh, the, the, the Tuesday game, the Spurs were favored by 13 against the Suns and they barely won by two points off a last second shot by Rudy Gay that went in uh there again there was no DeRozan in that game um, you know, Pop was very, very upset last night. He just came out. You know, I was there at the game covering um, a, as the media. He just comes out. He gives a statement. Basically, says that the Spurs were disrespectful to the opponent. They they got out coached. You know, they didn't respect their opponent. Um, they were disrespectful to the game of basketball. And he says that Phoenix got robbed. That Phoenix basically should have won. So uh, Pop was not happy with that win for the Spurs. Uh, but overall, Colin, I know it's a lot of information. The Spurs sit sixth in the Western Conference on the on Wednesday that you and I record this. Um, they're thirty and twenty two. Fourth offensively, defensively, we've seen a, a, a big sl- a slip up. The, the, the players have acknowledged it. They're twenty second um, by ranking. They've only been an efficient defense in two of their last eleven games. I mean, yeah, it's it's just they've just they really just been winning these games with their offense, outscoring opponents. Um, so, what do you think is going on with the Spurs just right now? Um, at thirty and twenty two.
1: Yeah. So my kind of thought was that when they were at their worst in the middle of November, that that might not have been as bad as the team was. Even though for a little while there it looked like, okay, maybe the, the bottom really is falling out. But then when they were really good in December, it was kind of like, you know, they're playing a lot at home. They're hitting a lot of shots. Like, their, their shot profile doesn't look any different. They're just hitting things really well. Um, they're defending better, like, all of a sudden. And so it's like, maybe they're not as good as they were then. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. And I think that, that right now we're closer to that middle. Um, and I think it's better maybe for them... To hit that middle, instead of kind like, of hitting the false on either side, so that they can better prepare in terms of like what they need to adjust on defense. I think this is the real Spurs, and I think what we were seeing in November was too low, and what we were seeing in December was maybe a little bit too high.
0: Okay, and how much of this do you attribute to uh, continuity on the roster? Now we have seen it in January here, where they slipped. Like I mentioned, um, that a lot of players have been out. DeRozan's missed some time. Davis Bertans has missed a few games here and there. Even Marco Bellinelli missed a game. Um, there's just been there Rudy Gay missed you know, earlier in this month, Rudy Gay missed some games and they really struggled there for five games when he was out. So how much of this is when they get a hundred percent, um, you know, on, on their core nine guys, you know, uh, we say the starters, which are white Forbes, DeRozan, um, gay and Aldridge. And then plus the, the bench unit of, uh, Mills. Um, who am I missing here? Mills Bertans, uh, and who's the other guy? Purtle. Purtle. Purtle, yeah, Yaka Purtle. So when they get these nine guys together and they're healthy, do you think that, that defense, uh, you know, that early, uh, that I mean, that December defense we saw will start to come, come back, or what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think that that does cause a chain reaction in some regards, where when you're... Um for instance, you know, they, they kind of play around the, the, for a little bit, like when you're not starting DeRozan, now you're starting pow in some of these games and you're moving Aldridge over and, and that kind of has a ripple effect across the whole rotation. And and I do think that, that does matter. I, I do think that the defense, even, even from players who have been playing, just hasn't looked as solid across the board. I, so I, I think it's a little bit of both.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm I'm with you too. Like, in my opinion, I just I, I got to see that whole unit all together and and them struggling, you know, for 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 five to ten games, and we really haven't seen that because like like we said, like I said, there's always guys out of the lineup right now. Um, it's a tough time right now in January with, in terms of keeping everybody healthy, especially with the, with the um, All Star break approaching and then the Spurs having so many games. Still, again, they're in one of those sequences where they're playing a game almost every other day, um, probably up until. Uh, getting close to the All-Star break. So, yeah, the Spurs, you know, they're they're right there, six in the Western Conference, um, where they sit. Let's go ahead and move into our second topic, Colin, and that's the, um, All-Star reserves that are going to get announced here on Thursday. Uh, so the starters were already named in the West, for the Western Conference, and that's Stephen Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, uh, Kevin Durant, and Paul George. So, to no surprise, DeRozan and and Aldridge were not named by the fans and, and the media and the players. Um, then the coaches are going to turn in their ballots on Thursday and they, they have to pick up to seven reserves. And it has to be two guards, three forwards, and two um, wild cards could be any position. So I think almost by default, you think Russell Westbrook's probably going to get a guard spot. Damian Lillard probably get a guard spot. Uh, Nikola Jokic definitely gets a forward spot. Uh, Utah's going to get somebody, it looks like. So I don't know if that's Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. The consensus looks like Rudy Gobert's, and it might get that big man spot. And then, of course, Anthony Davis will get a spot because, you know, he's just Anthony Davis. (laughs) You know, he's he's a really good uh, top elite elite player. Um, And so then there's those two wild card, and a lot of the debate has been one Spur will get in there and one Clipper will get in there because the Clippers currently are eighth that you and I are recording this. Um, So two weeks ago, uh, I think two or three weeks ago, I, I can't recall exactly, Um, Tom Petrini and I had this had this conversation and at that time DeRozan hadn't missed you know this many games four games now and so I was more so and this is when DeRozan had barely started struggling in January with all those turnovers with the you know with the the low field goal percentage and so at that time early January I thought that DeRozan was just still like the number one Spurs all-star that he was definitely going to get it Um, just based on his whole body of work for the season. And I know January had been a tough struggle, but now that we're two weeks away from that period. And, and, you know, now that it's really coming down to turning in the ballots, it looks like Lamarcus has probably passed him up. I would say, in my opinion, Uh, again, Lamarcus is delivering every night. He hasn't missed a game. um, And he's really just picked up his play here in January. I know that November was rough for him. So, um, you know, let me just read you their stats real quick. Uh, Aldridge is averaging 21.1 points, second leading scorer on the team, 8.8 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 1.9 turnovers, two blocks, and 32 minutes. Shooting 52% from the floor, 85% from the free throw line. Um, like I mentioned, he's played all, all their games. DeRozan is barely outscoring him 21.5 points per game. Um, uh, so, so, barely, you know, you know, for. for um, you know, 0.4 points more. Uh, 6.2 rebounds for DeRozan, 6.3 assists, 2.7 turnovers, 1.1 steals in 35 minutes. He's shooting 47% from the floor and 82% from the line. And like I mentioned, he's missed four games. Now, um... So yeah, so do you do you agree that Aldridge is probably the, if if the coaches give a, a spur a spot, it's probably Aldridge.
1: I think so. I think that you know when the Spurs were struggling, he was playing pretty poorly, and uh, when the Spurs started playing really well, you know he he also kind of picked it up as well. And I, I don't think that it was just Aldridge playing better. There's a lot of factors that came into play there, but I think that people will. I think that recency bias does factor into this I think that people will say what have you done for me lately yeah and they'll see throws and struggles and not playing versus <clears throat> yeah. Aldridge like really carrying the spurs over the past couple uh, month month and a half
0: yeah and one thing I wanted to talk about and this is something that we were talking about prior to recording was something that kind of Zach Lowe and a few other media members have brought up is uh, the fact that it's really tough to choose a spur or clipper this year. Because of how good their you know the reserves are, how good their benches as a team, so let's just focus in here on the Spurs. So these are just some numbers from CleaningTheGlass.com. When Aldridge is on the floor, the Spurs play like a forty-four win team. When he's off the floor, they they're thirteen wins better. They're a fifty-seven win team. Um, when DeRozan's on the court, they play like a forty win team. When he's off the court, they play like a 63-win team, you know, just dramatically better. Now, again, these are just numbers. A lot of this does have to do with um, the early season data when the Spurs were getting blown out and a lot of those early games in November— but there is some truth to that, though. I mean, we see it on the court. There's there's nights where the Spurs are only up by, like, five or they're down by, like, three or four. And all of a sudden, the bench comes in. The threes start getting um, chucked in the air. You start seeing way more ball movement. And you got Patty Mills. You got Marco Bellinelli. You got Bertans. You know, all these guys just, just knocking down threes. The scoring picks up. They, they do start to build these these really big leads. Um, so so where, where are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that the bench strength is a lot of that. You know, I think that when you're going, uh, especially in the Western Conference where, you know, 1-14 to 14 have, like, competent starting lineups. Um, and the bench really has improved. I remember when I did go watch that Bucks game in Milwaukee, like, the bench was still kind of struggling at that point, and the Bucks had, like, a 15- or 20-point lead in the first quarter, and the bench came out, and I was like, okay, this game is over. Like, the bench had not been doing well. And I brought it back from that point. And since then, they've been, like, hitting on all cylinders, like you say. And so I think it's just... When you have a disparity of that level between the bench talent, they're going to have like that 63 win differential. But the Spurs' starting lineup is so kind of dead even with a lot of the teams that they play that it's going to look like a 500 win team. Um, and I think that some of that has been that both DeRozan and Aldrich have had stretches where they've struggled. But I think the other part of that is and they played well as as the other starters on the floor and you know Rudy especially has been a starter level for the Spurs but but sometimes they've been looking to fill that void and and Derek White has filled it nicely and uh, Forbes has played really well but you would hope to maybe have Murray in that spot instead so I think it just is a level of competition of starter versus starter versus the bench and how much better they are than other teams' bench right
0: now. Yeah, and something you brought up um, was that uh, prior to, to, to us recording was uh, that in a way, the Spurs are almost lucky that it's the coaches picking this, you know, this this you know, these reserves and not the media because I think if it was the media, they'd use their advanced stats and a lot of these different uh, metrics to figure out, you know, maybe, hey, maybe the Spurs don't deserve an All-Star. Maybe somebody else does in this spot um, whereas the coaches, I think they're just going to look at, hey, the Spurs are a playoff team. Pop has them, you know, turned around after they were three games under 500 at one point and now you know we got to get one one guy in there for pop we got to get either Aldridge or DeRozan it's probably going to be Aldridge just based on his his body of work for the whole season now um so yeah so I think Thursday I'd be probably a little shocked if one of those guys doesn't get named an all-star Aldridge or DeRozan um okay and then uh now Colin let's go ahead and uh, go into the um the NBA trade deadline that's approaching so uh next Thursday on uh November not November February 7th the uh the the trade deadline will officially be here um and so you know it could get a little hectic. I don't think the Spurs will be, you know, they'll be in the, the rumor mill just as much as um you know as they were with the Kawhi Leonard situation. But uh you know for the other NBA teams, especially with the new Anthony Anthony Davis trade trade request, um it's going to get a little a little crazy uh in the coming days especially with all the rumors and stuff like that. So I did just Well first I want to acknowledge a piece you wrote last week. Um last week you wrote a piece um focusing you you've you done a great job by the way. The last 3 weeks Colin has been um writing, you know, Looking at the, at the different players for the Spurs, their their guards first. Then he looked at their wings, and then now he's now the last one he looked at the bigs. And, and you've done a good job of kind of talking about you know what does their trade value kind of look like? You know where are they in terms of the likelihood that they get traded, or what what are the Spurs going to do with them in the future in terms of their contracts and stuff. And so this one was the most, probably the most interesting because the bigs because it focused in on, on a guy that a lot of fans, a lot of you know, just even even media members that have talked about just Pau Gasol's contract. Now we know that we know this this situation. Pal's, you know making sixteen point eight million this year. He has a sixteen million dollar deal for next year, but it's only partially guaranteed for six point seven million. Um, and so uh you know and he's definitely he's just not playing. I mean, he it's it's almost like the game is passing by you can tell. Once once he got hurt earlier in the year, Yaka Perlo basically became the backup center and he he's just done a great job like that. Pop stuck to playing small with Aldridge at the 5 and Aldridge likes that role now, you know, he's kind of embraced it more. So, you only see Powell play whenever, you know, somebody's hurt like we've seen with DeRozan lately. So, so if if it's like a real meaningful game, Powell's not going to play like that game against Philly. Powell did not play in that game. P- Pop just went to his nine man rotation. Um so we know that you know this is the guy making the third most amount of money on the team, and uh, a lot of fans have been asking for you know they got to trade him, they got to trade him. But you you did a great job and exploring you know do they really have to trade him? So so I like what you did, and and we look you look kind of at the safest approach for them, the most I think you would say the most expected approach, which is this season, this off season, should I say, unless they're getting somebody like a Kevin Durant or you know who's available. Um, Chris Esporzegas just like yeah. one of these, these guys that are like the marquee free agents, which I, I don't think they are, you know, I think we both agree with that, that they're, they're not, they're not going to get one of these, these, um these, these major high profile guys then the most safest approach for them is just to operate again as a team over the cap. And how do you do that? You re, you keep Rudy Gay's cap hold on. You try to get Rudy Gay a new deal, resign him and bring back the majority of the team with the healthy DeJounte Murray next year and have access to the um, non-taxpayer middle exception. So that's probably the safest route for the Spurs. And I think that's the most predictable route that they're going to take most likely. So by acknowledging that you said, you know, what is the point of trading Powell? You know, he, yeah, sure. He's going to make 16 million. He might, he may not play next year at all, but why are you going to give away a future asset either either Toronto's first-round pick or your own first-round pick just to still be over the cap and not really make an upgrade? So I think that with that approach, that's the right way to look at the situation. I don't think they're going to be as aggressive here at the trade deadline or uh, in the summertime and trying to move Pal. Because, again, unless they're trying to get cap space for somebody, you know, a Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant, then I just don't see it. Um, you know, right now, Kyrie Irving's out there too, I forget forgot about him too so um can you talk about that a little bit
1: yeah so I, I definitely was kind of thinking the more I looked at this the more I could see that unless Powell is just like you know I really want to play I think I can play I almost kind of see and I know that this might drive some fans crazy him playing out the rest of his contract and then the Spurs offering him something much less to do that, like, Matt Bonner role, like, you are, you know, a very savvy vet, you can do this, and it it would be, like, something close to the minimum. They wouldn't be doing what they're doing again. But I could definitely see them offering to keep him around for his leadership, for just kind of his corporate knowledge, now that he's been with the Spurs for several years at that point. So I I could definitely see that being the path that they take if they don't trade him before then. And really, I think that if they don't trade him by the deadline, unless, you know, a free agent is like, I'll commit to sign to you. Like, and, and it's a player that would really move the needle, then they're, they're probably going to keep him through the end of his contract. So to me, it's it's either February 7th between now and then, or after that, it's probably a no-go until after that. Um, and So yeah, I think that for me, I, and, and I don't think it's a really likely chance before then either for several reasons. I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I was trying to do the math on this. If they do trade Pau Gasol for an expiring contract and they signed Rudy for something near his cap hold, they would only have... About two or three million in space, and then they would also have the room exception, which would be less than the mid-level exception if they're over the cap. So technically, have less money to work with was kind of what I was yeah, paying.
0: yeah. And actually, even I think just by keeping Rudy's cap hold, they don't have any um any cap Even if because I think I, I did a um, there's a guy who's worked for Project Spurs named Trevor Zickgraf, a good um, you know friend. Actually, he's been on the Spurs cast before. Um, so he asked me one time on Twitter, you know, hey, what's the situation if they trade Pal if they don't? So I looked up all the numbers, and even if they trade Pal without bringing zero money back. I still think that they're over the cap. When you throw in the cap, loads the first round picks they're going to have, and, you know, all those all those different factors. I don't think there's. St- I don't think they're a um, a team that still has any kind of actual salary cap space. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that makes sense. I wasn't even factoring in the fact that they'll have two first round draft picks next year. Yeah. So, but even if they like draft and stash both of them, they would only have like two or three million plus a room exception, which probably won't be as much as the mid level if they're over the cap. So, yeah. like, it's almost better for them to not do something like that just to do it. It's. Uh, I think the ESPN released a video where Woj was going through the whole thing, and he did specifically mention San Antonio if they're looking to upgrade that Pau Gasol has been a name mentioned. So I think that's their approach. If they can find the trade where they get better, they'll do this. But if not, they're just going to hold on to him. They're not going to do it for cap space. Yeah,
0: and that's kind of what I've written down here. So we're going to go through a few trades that I just you know just these aren't being reported. These are just me looking up names on rosters and just seeing you know what financially works. You know, and, and using a little bit of, of of theory of why why this might be good for the Spurs. So I agree with you there in that I definitely think that if they do make a trade in this next week for Powell, that it's going to be some something that upgrades their team right now or possibly in the future, but mostly right now. Like it, it's got to be a player. In my opinion, it has to be a player who's going to be able to get some minutes away from some of the guys, these nine core guys. And so I think that the player that might. His minutes might be, a, you know, if you got somebody who, who who can really play right now. I think the guy that 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 you can see his minutes get swiped a little bit here is is maybe somebody like Bryn Forbes, you know. Um, you know, Forbes having a solid season, really good season, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's still, you know, he's still, you know, undersized for, for a two guard, um, starting, especially if you get somebody who can be a little bit bigger on defense, you know, can do what he does, does as far as shoot the three. Now Brin's done it, done it a great job with his confidence and, you know, you know, he, he's just had a magnificent season. But again, I still feel like he's the guy that possibly somebody could come in and get some minutes from his role. So, so I wrote down some players and, and we could just talk about this, these, um, Again, these are not being reported, these are just me um, bouncing some ideas off my head and Colin uh, uh, looking at them. So the first guy I wrote down was, and he's been reported as being available, you know, uh, is Kent Bazemore from the Atlanta Hawks. Um, you know, I, I basically looked at this deal for Powell uh, way early in the season, and I put here, you know, I don't know what else it would take, would it take, money-wise it works out just the two of them, Bazemore for Gasol. Now, would it take the second round, a second round pick, would it take the Toronto pick, uh, that, that's the question for um uh, Atlanta and I know that Atlanta just basically wants to get off his contract and the reason for that is because he is making 18 million this year but then next year he's making 19 million as a player option so the most logical thing is that he's gonna you know take that player option so again I'm not sure if he moves the needle enough to where he can actually get minutes quickly enough you know in the last 30, 20 30 games of the season to um, to get to earn a spot there whether it's starting or coming off the bench what do you think about him?
1: Yeah, and, and he was kind of the, the player that I was thinking, like, in a vacuum that the that the Spurs would be looking to get. Like you're saying, he, he is the type of player who maybe would feel like he could take some of those minutes from from Forbes, but like you said, with the way that the Spurs system is, again, I remember a couple of years ago when Marco first came to the Spurs, and Pop was amazed that he picked up the system so quickly, and it was like December or January, and so like it takes players a while, and so it's not really going to maybe move the needle between now and then, unless it's like a very big difference maker type player. But that was a definitely like the type of role of a player that I was thinking. Um, and the other thing that you t- mentioned trading the Raptors pick, I really hadn't even thought about this until very recently. Like the Spurs cannot trade their own pick because you want to look at like, I mean they can, but the reason why you wouldn't want to is if they go in like on a little losing skid, that could fall into the lottery. And then if that like yeah. somehow jumps into the top four and they traded their pick for a player that they don't really want to keep but only marginally improves them, like that is a huge risk. So there is like probably zero chance they trade their own pick. If they yeah, trading I agree with you 100%. All, they're mm-hmm. trading the Raptors pick, I think, because that one has almost no risk of doing that. And even though they look like they're in a pretty good position right now, like the risk of trading their own pick is just so huge right now for a player that might not be with the team in two years.
0: Yeah, and again, I like that. I, I would look at that base more deal again because sure, he's going to make $19 million next year, but you're also thinking that Powell might just make $16 million next year. So it's kind of like you're going to be over the cap either way. And maybe you get another year, full season with Bazemore before he becomes a free agent. So again, I don't think that's very likely. Um, you know that that kind of deal would happen. Uh, next would be. Um this is more so for the future, I would say, not really for um, for, for, for this current team. And that's a guy who's been r- rumored around the Spurs a lot, which is a Stanley Johnson. Uh, Jabari Young for The Athletic just wrote, you know, he didn't, he didn't say that they are looking at him, the Spurs, but he says, you know, he could be the type of player they might look at if they are going to make a trade. Um, so Powell's contract wouldn't work for him, but, but for the, the deal I put together here was like Stanley Johnson for um, Dante Cunningham and Quincy Pondexter to make the financial part work. And then give that give Detroit the Toronto pick because Johnson's situation is he is going to be a restricted free agent next year uh, at $5.3 million qualifying offer. So Detroit's probably going to lose him. I don't think, um, you know, it really hasn't, he hasn't been consistent in getting lineups. Um, he hasn't really get, been getting a lot of minutes from, from Dwayne Casey. So it looks like they're going to lose him. So if they do want to at least get a first round pick, um, the Toronto pick possibly, maybe they would look at that. What do you think about the chances? For, oh, and real quick on why the Spurs would do it. Um you know, I again. I don't think Stanley's that type of player who would you know be able to get himself a role right now this season. But I think that since the Spurs have always had an interest in him, well, if you can lock him up and get him, you know, re-signed with that qualifying offer um, as a restricted free agent, uh, then you have you know you could put in two or three years to actually see what kind of player would he have been for us uh, if he was in our system. So, what do you think about that idea?
1: Yeah, so I, I think that, and I've kind of talked about this a lot, and it's kind of shaped how I think the Spurs are going to also approach this trade deadline. Is that really, when you look at how much their books clear up uh, next off season, and they have that, that's when DeRozan has that player option, uh, Aldridge's contract is partially guaranteed after that, and they only have like $20 million in, in guaranteed money, they also are starting to get to this point where they actually have a lot of like young, talented players on their team. And so I could see them like trying to go get a player like Stanley Johnson to, when they get to that point, have as much of that like talented youth as possible to be able to make a decision of, are we going to stick with this core or are we going to go with like a younger route and like develop some of these younger players and just see what we have because really like a bunch of teams have shown you only need and this can be tough but you really only need like one or two of them to hit it big to like be back in that talk and so I can see them like rebuilding on the fly as much as that gets thrown around where they just start collecting young players while they're still competing and just see which ones work out and then make a decision on it when that off-season comes around.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like another thing, another reason why maybe San wouldn't do something like this is because you have Lonnie Walker coming up next year, and you know he's going to be a guy who's definitely going to get minutes at the two and three plus Dejounte Murray. So it it is kind of looking already like a space, like a very um you know it, next year is going to be very competitive to get a to get minutes on your pop uh, when you have Lonnie back. I mean when you have Lonnie in year two, and then you have a Dejounte there. So again, that's just a kind of an idea I was looking up just to look at the trade market. Um, another one is. Um, you know a guy who's you know basically we we know that they might get moved or, or, or uh, Marcus Saw and, and Mike Conley now for the Spurs I'm looking more so at Saul. Mm-hmm. so here's the deal I put together here Um Pal Gasol Cunningham Pondexter for Marcusaw to make just just to make the money work and then you attached either um, yeah this is where it gets tough because I don't, I don't know if Memphis would do this just for the Toronto pick again I think that's one where they might ask for the first there the Spurs is first or even both mm-hmm. just because you know how much leverage do they have. Uh, with Gasol as far as moving him and how much do other teams want him now Gasol's situation he's making 24.1 million this year next year he has a player option for 25.5 million and again based on his play this year it doesn't look like a team would offer him that 25.5 right now in free agency so um, what do you think about that deal do you think it's
1: yeah I I think that Mark Gasol is probably a team or uh, a player that gets traded to a team that's really desperate to improve right now and I think that part of that is you kind of look at it from all these different angles where you say, you know, you don't think the Grizzlies take that deal. I, I told you my trade, which is probably pretty bad, where instead, like, the Spurs have hands in the mix because mm-hmm. that's an asset that the Grizzlies will want back. Yeah. But even then, I wonder if they're going to, like, evaluate Mark higher than, like, he even would be on the market because he's, like, the best Grizzly in history and, like, trading away, like, a player of his caliber from the team. Like, you, you do need goodwill with the, the fan base. Like, you're going to take a publicity hit just by doing that. And so, like, it's like, what are you really getting in return? Yeah. And so when you're like, oh, we're taking Pau Gasol's contract back for, you know, the best player in our uh, franchise history here in in Memphis. And so then it's like they might overvalue him too much. And so then you have that trade that I mentioned, which I don't even think is all that great with Pau, Bertan, and the Raptors first. And even they might be like, you were saying they'd jump all over it, and even then I don't think the fans would love that. I don't think a lot of... uh, fans who aren't super invested and aren't San Antonio fans even know who Bertanz is and then you still don't know he could walk like if he plays amazingly he could just walk this summer that's
0: true yeah that's 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 the risk yeah Yeah, so,
1: so I think it's just too risky for both sides I think that there is a team that probably is like we're close enough that we can make a playoff push that's gonna just throw one too many assets at the Grizzlies yeah um but it's kind of hard to balance. Otherwise,
0: I think someone like Sacramento's been mentioned as that type of team, the team that's like right there at the edge of making the playoffs, and maybe he's the guy, or somebody like the Wizards are just a few games out. You know, there's a lot of teams that are right there at the bubble, whether you're in the East or in the West, and maybe I think that they have the they have the assets that that Memphis would want for for Margo rather than with the Spurs. I think the Spurs would, might might offer that safe offer of Powell, you know, Pondexter and, and, and Cunningham, and then maybe just the Toronto pick. And, and when Memphis says no, we want your first, maybe that's the sense. Uh, okay, yeah. goes yeah. So again, I, I don't. Think that's very realistic it was funny though like you mentioned that uh that mark made that comment recently i know that it gained some traction it was just a joke he was just yeah. joking that you know it'd be funny if i got traded for pal and you know i ended up in san antonio and all that stuff but obviously you could tell mark you know he would like to come to san antonio probably <laughs> uh, if that happened um another one i looked at um probably the last one that we'll talk about here unless you have any on your mind um is uh, the the Pelicans recently made news. Obviously, Anthony Davis requested the trade. Now there's been more rumors about not just Davis, but I recently saw an article which said some, something along the lines of like Randall, Miritich, um, and Eton Moore are each available for a first round pick. So if that is true, you know I, I really think Miritich would be a guy who can help the Spurs team uh, at least at least just for this just to finish off the season. And he's a guy who could you know he could easily start next to, to LaMarcus in the, in the starting lineup, and you could just push Rudy down to the three, put um, DeRozan at the two, and then and then um, uh, White still at the one And then you know You just have shooting All around Aldridge And the bench unit And, and around And then you still have Bertens coming off the bench I mean he, He'd really be an upgrade uh, I think that He he could help um, Especially um, With the Spurs So I would just do Financially I would just do Meritage for Pal, And then see You know here, Here's the Toronto pick New Orleans Do you want it or not You know Here's the first round pick It's the, it's the Toronto one We're not going to give you Our first uh, The one that, that we have uh, But here's the Toronto pick uh, What do you think about that
1: Yeah, so as you are saying that, it kind of made me think of how maybe spacing is not just about having shooters on the floor, but also, like, what positions the shooters are playing at. So, like, Bryn and Miritich both can shoot the ball fairly well, but, you know, Bryn is a one, and most of the time... Or or a two, kind of depending on the line. Yeah. And most of the time, those are going to be playing out from the perimeter anyway, even if they're not shooting to, like, get positioned to drive or to cut. Um, But, you know, stretch fours, while they're becoming more in vogue, like, aren't always something that the Spurs have had. So, like, having... One of the bigs kind of stand out there, and I know that they've kind of been doing that with Rudy Gay. But to have like someone else, while well, also having Rudy Gay out there, will give uh, Derozan and Aldridge more space to work inside, which I think is an important component to kind of how this team will be working at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. So again, I'm not I'm not sure. You know, you know, I think that New Orleans is going to get some some other good offers for him too. I think for all those guys, uh, Randall, him, and possibly more. Um, and then of course Miritich would just be a half season gamble because uh, he is making 12.5 this year but the next year he has a cap hold and he's an unrestricted free agent for um, 18.7 uh, I believe that that says there so or 14.7 something around there so I think those are the only the only ones that I had in my head uh, did you have anybody else that no or?
1: no I thought you know um, Mike Conley is interesting but it's just like you said there's already going to be such a lot of guard next year and mm-hmm. they, they could probably not get close to what other teams are going to offer I think that's the problem is that You have teams, like, even with Bazemore. Like, Bazemore has been linked to Houston a lot, and I don't think that's maybe actual reporting, but just people being like, oh, that would be a good fit they're looking for. Yeah. But it seems like just any of these players that you mentioned, there is a team willing to give more than the Spurs, and that's kind of where they're, like, in trouble here. Where, like, if they're looking for a player who's going to move the needle, there's other teams right now that are looking to get better that might just have that one better asset that moves the needle more. So uh, that's kind of why I'm seeing that they're not really going to probably do anything at this trade deadline. Yeah. But, but I think that those those players that you mentioned were kind of some of the ones that I was thinking about or at least the type of players they'd be looking
0: at. Yeah, for sure. So so we'll see what happens with San Antonio. You know, there might be a few rumors um, leaked out here and there. Um, at the end of the day, I, I don't think they're going to make a trade next week. But, you know, who knows? You know, it's it, it could happen. You never know. All right, Collins, moving on to the, the last portion of our, of our Spurs cast, episode 527. Um, and that is looking at the next three Spurs games. We're just going to give our previews real quick. Uh, so, my record coming in is 29-18. and 18. Your record is 5-1. and one. So, yeah, so the few times you've been on the Spurs cast, you're 5-1. and one. Made some really good picks. Um, the one, I think it was the Jazz, no, it was, it was some random game. I think it was the Jazz game from Spurs, and, and that's the one you picked wrong, I think, if I look back. Anyway, um, so Thursday's call on the Spurs hosted the Brooklyn Nets for the first time this season. The Nets are 12-13 and 13 on the road, playing like a 35-win team on the road. Offensively, they're 17th. Defensively, they're 13th. At home in the AT&T Center, the Spurs are playing like a 57-win team. Uh, they are 20th seven at home, eighth offensively, and 18th defensively. Who do you have on Thursday here in the AT&T Center in San Antonio?
1: I'm gonna say the Spurs, and as crazy as it sounds, I think I would actually go with the Nets if Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't out. Like they've been like red hot. Yeah, eight and that. two in the last ten games. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know that over the past couple of years they've been kind of like the like how the Sixers were before them, but like they have been playing really well. They've been really hot, and if Dinwiddie was there, I actually, especially seeing their defense recently, I think that the Nets would win. But I think just the Spurs playing at home, the Nets being a little shorthanded, I do think that the Spurs edge them out
0: okay Uh, I'm with you I'm picking the Spurs but I would not seriously I would not be shocked if the Nets get this win I mean I I was actually having a tough time picking this one because you know here are the Spurs who should have lost to Phoenix honestly like they just played so bad they haven't really played great defense like I mentioned you know they just played terrible defense winning with only offense and and the Nets have been playing a a pretty good um, sound game and so it wouldn't shock me if if Brooklyn pulled out that win but I'm going to take San Antonio here on paper um, then, Colin, on Saturday, the Spurs see the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans for the last time this season. The Pelicans um, are 8-20 and 20 on the road, playing like a 38.8-win team on the road. Uh, they're 5th offensively on the road and 22nd defensively. Who do you have in this one?
1: Yeah, I definitely think that the Spurs are, are taking this one probably. I think just kind of with everything that's going on in New Orleans, you know, Davis still won't be playing. And I think that, like, even for the players that are playing, like the, and they actually have even more players out too, I think just the weight of that drama just weighs on everyone to have like we saw with the Spurs last year uh and kind of especially as the in stretch they kind of like started getting bogged down by all of it I I just think that the Spurs edge them out again
0: okay I'm with you too I think I'm picking San Antonio again you know it wouldn't you know this one would surprise me a little bit, but I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if it did. If they did, New Orleans did one because I mean, they just beat Houston. Um, you know, before you and I recorded this on the, the night before, so so I'm taking the Spurs though here on paper. And then the last one, Colin, I will preview is um, the Spurs start their rodeo road trip on Monday night. They go to Sacramento against the Kings, a place where they've lost already. Sacramento, uh, the Kings are 14 and 10 at home, playing like a 40 win team at home. Offensively, 21st, and defensively 16th. Who do you have in this one?
1: I'm actually going to go with the Kings. I think that their defense has just been pretty sour lately, and I think that the strength of the Kings with their young core, with their offense, they can just really get at you if you're not ready. Unless, like, this almost loss to the Suns, like, snaps them back into focus, like, I think that they are in danger of losing this game for sure.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm I'm actually with you. I picked the Kings, and I really struggle with this one because, I mean, I just – you know, it's it, it's one where um, I know Sacramento looked at their last ten games; they're five and five. They were they've had a pretty big road trip here. They've been on the road a lot, so I, I, I do attribute it to that. Especially with you know the younger roster, younger guys playing, they do struggle on the road. But at home, they've been in some pretty good teams. So I, I and again, Santona's not the best team on the road, even though they turned it around a little bit. So I went with the, I'm, I'm like you and I, I went with the, I went with the Kings as well. So um, and also one part of it would have been let's just say this happened the way we 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 had it shake out. The Spurs would have been on a five game win streak at that point after beating the Pelicans? So we know that they've never gone. I don't think they've gone to a six game win streak this this year. So I just don't see it either. So uh, I went with New Orleans as well. I mean, not New Orleans but with Sacramento as well. So you, so you and I think that the Spurs will go two and one in their next three games, and we'll see um, how that how that works out. Um, thank you, Colin, for joining me on Spurs Cast episode five hundred twenty seven. Just a few closing reminders: um, keep keep visiting ProjectSpurs.com. Uh, check out Steven Anderson's analysis over on projectspurs.com over on, um, our Spurs prospect watch, Benjamin Bornstein wrote about Grant Williams, a six, seven, uh, power forward from from uh, Virginia, uh, I wrote my recent 10 game evaluation on Monday. That came out or, or Sunday actually, uh, volume five. So I looked at the, the 50 game mark now for the Spurs and how, how they've been doing statistically, offensively and defensively. Collins' latest trade deadline piece came out uh, last week, and then you have the you have the other one. Can you can you give the, the readers a little bit about what that's going to be about?
1: Yeah, so this, this one is is just going to be uh, kind of looking at the Spurs picks, how kind of they are in this weird situation where they can actually trade two picks from a very near future because of the step-in rule normally you can't but because they have two picks in this draft they are a little bit more flexible with that um, but then also talking about like what we did with their cap space really isn't a motivator for them and then I, I talked about maybe players that they're interested in and a lot of them kind of lined up with what we talked about and then I kind of gave that Marcus Gasol trade idea in there too but other than that just kind of going over the other non-player factors for them.
0: Okay, so yeah, so Colin's piece will be up there on ProjectSpurs.com probably by the time this uh, this cast is up too on Project Spurs. And then lastly, if you're listening to this on iTunes, leave us a rating or review. Thank you. Have a great day.